Welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. This is Rebecca Meitinger. Today we are in the second session of a podcast series that is going through Romans chapter 8. In our last episode, we focused on Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. And today we're going to focus on Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 11. So one of the things that I do most in my life is drive around. (laughs) I am the minivan mom that drives my four kids everywhere they go. My oldest daughter will get her license after she turns 16, but she doesn't have it yet. And so I drive everywhere. I drive to school. I drive to sports. I drive to piano. I drive everywhere my kids need to go. And I mean, there are days like in the summer where I will log over 100 miles of driving around town without ever leaving city limits. <laughs> I just drive my kids all over the place. And sometimes I get in the car and I don't really know where I'm going. I mean, I should know where I'm going. I just don't think about where I'm going. And so I'll start heading in one direction and a kid might be like, Mom, where are you going? That's not where I'm supposed to go. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what are we going to? <laughs> And then they're like, Mom, I'm going to be late now. And I'm like, sorry, because I'm not thinking about where I'm going. So then I have to stop, take inventory of where I'm at and where I'm supposed to be, and usually turn around. Or another thing that makes me laugh, if you are in, um, if you are a fan of the, the show Amazing Race, we love the Amazing Race at our house. And what's really interesting is that when they do a lot of self-driving in all these foreign countries that they go to, the people who are most successful are those who know how to read a map because they don't get any uh, technology, so they don't have smartphones, they don't have Google Maps. And so what they have in their hand to help them navigate places they've never been before is a paper map, like old school style. And a lot of the younger generation who is on the show doesn't know how to read maps very well and so they're left with maps that they don't really know how to read and they're left with street signs that are often in different languages and that's a real struggle and so the people who do the best on the show especially during those self-driving or self-navigating legs of the show they are the ones who know how to read a map and then apply it in their actual driving to be able to read the map follow the map, and apply the map, they have the best success. Today, our text in Romans is kind of about that. It's about knowing where we're going and setting our mind right on the place that we're going and knowing how to read the Word of God to help us figure out where we're going and how to get there. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So there's a job here for us as believers in Christ to actually set our minds, like when we wake up in the morning, to figure out, okay, what is my goal for today? Where do I want to go today? Where do I want my mind to be set today? I think most naturally, most of us wake up each day and we don't really think about where we want our minds to be set. I think often we think that our minds just think what they're going to think, and maybe we think it's beyond our control, but this is definitely telling us you are in control of your mind, you get to decide where your mind is set, and if I don't do that each day, if I don't take the time to like set my mind, then I'm like, when I get in the car, I just hop in my minivan with 
whatever kid or kids are in there and I don't even think about what we're going to. Are we going to swim practice? Are we going to school? Are we going to piano lessons? Are we going to softball? Are we going to baseball? I don't even think about it. I just start driving. (laughs) And then my kid has to be like, what are you doing? This is what this verse is saying. That each day, and I I would say every hour and maybe even more frequently than that, we have a not just an opportunity, but an obligation to think about where am I setting my mind? Because where I'm going to set my mind is going to determine how my day is going to go, what the outcome of my day will be, and it's going to affect how I feel, how I treat people. It's going to affect everything about my day is how I set my mind. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to not be very good at this. And I tend to fall into a little trap that I call Rebecca's evil think trap. And this is where I let my mind go wild with imaginary conversations, pretend fights, hypothetical accusations. So maybe I'm in conflict with somebody and then I dwell on it way too much and I let my mind just kind of run wild with it. It might be after an argument with my husband or an unpleasant encounter with somebody else, if I'm frustrated, hurt, upset. So it's like I replay the scenario over and over in my mind, line by line. But then, unfortunately, this is where it goes really down the rabbit hole, is when you start expanding on it, adding on statements that were said in the past, or maybe even imaginary things, like you wonder what if they said this or what if they said this. Even If they are things that are supposedly forgiven and apologized for, I can go down this like dark path and it makes me feel sick to my stomach and you start playing this what if game. And then the trap like tightens and tightens until by God's grace, the Holy Spirit jumps in, gets my attention and like is yelling at me and the Holy Spirit will be like, stop the nonsense. Climb out of the trap, Rebecca. Get out. Lock the door behind you. Throw away the key, Rebecca. Get out of the trap. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit comes to my rescue. And I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is when we let our mind um, go down the, the realm of the flesh, as Romans is going to call it. And so in your Bible, if you're reading out of the ESV, or if you're just listening along, I'm reading out of the ESV. And it says, in verse 5, it says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That word flesh in in some other translations is translated sinful desire or I mean, sorry, sinful nature. That's not a great rendering. Flesh is a better rendering. What it literally means in the in the Greek, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X. And in the Greek, what it literally means is like your animal appetite. So like that that inner craving that we have to just like, if it feels good, do it. It feels good to be mad at you, so I'm going to be mad at you. It feels good to eat the whole cake, so I'm going to eat the whole cake. It feels good to overspend way beyond my budget, so I'm going to overspend way beyond my budget because I want to. And the only thing that matters is me and my happiness. So it's that animal appetite. If it feels good, do it. And uh, and those who live according to the flesh, they're sarks set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So let's take control of our minds and set it each day, each hour, on the things of the Spirit. 
Now let's read the next verse and then I want to do a little bit more explaining about about what this might mean because it can get pretty complicated. So verse 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh, on our animal appetites, is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now that seems really strong. Like the language is very surprising. Like to set the mind on the flesh is death. But we can experience this if we just pause a little bit and take inventory of our own experiences in our lives. We would be like, you know what? This is true. I feel this in my spirit. Like when I am just all wrapped up in my evil think take, when I'm wrapped up in if I want it, then I get it because if it feels good, do it. And myself and my happiness is what matters most to me. When I get wrapped up into that mindset, it feels like death. It feels hopeless and depressing and nothing is ever good enough and the craving is never really satisfied. And so there is a feeling of death there. But then it says, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Like it's like you can take a deep breath and you're looking beyond yourself and you are setting things in their right priorities and it feels like a weight is lifted off your shoulders and it feels like life and peace. So I want to give an example for this because it's really hard to know like what does it mean to set the mind on the things of the spirit instead of the things of the flesh when in fact we live in the flesh. We live in the world. So if you're setting your mind on things like or if the things that are going on in your mind all day are things like paying bills and getting your work done and taking care of your kids, maybe it's changing diapers and feeding bottles or maybe it's driving your kids all over the place or maybe your your work is consuming your mind all day long and trying to do your work well and thinking about the inner relationships with the people who are at work with you and we set our minds on things that are going on in the flesh because we live in the flesh and so that's what we think about but i want to challenge us to think about it not as necessarily the context of what we're thinking about but how we're thinking about it. So think of it as like a filter. When you take a picture on your phone, especially like the newer iPhones, have like, when you can, t- you can take a picture and then you can go into the app setting or whatever, and you can change that picture to so many different filters. And so it's like noir or vivid or vivid sunshine or cool or cool sunshine or you know I mean there are so many different filters you can put on your photos the content of that photo is still the same it's the same photo but you're seeing it differently based on the filter that you put on it and so as we set our mind on either the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit that is like the filter that we are looking at things through So like I said earlier, my days specifically are filled with the tasks of motherhood. I do work part-time. I sub in the schools and I try to pay bills. Sometimes paying bills is stressful, but I think about it a lot. So that consumes some brain space. I drive my kids around. I try to plan suppers. You know, that's those are the things that I think about. And I could think about those things in two different filters primarily. The, the filter of setting my mind on the flesh would be that I'm, I'm thinking about the things in my life or the things going on in the world with the filter of me and my happiness. 
What I want is what matters most. If it feels good, do it. And my happiness matters, for goodness sakes, and I want this. Look, that is not going to be life-giving in the way that I live my life. It causes me so much stress. It causes me so much sadness and depression. And then I might get mad, and this happens because I'm human, and it will make me mad. Like, for goodness sakes, I don't want to spend that much money on my kids' shoes because I want my own. And I don't care that they need shoes for their sports. I want something for myself, and I matter. Well, that is not a life-giving attitude. It's not going to bring life to my family. It's not going to bring life to my spirit. It's not going to honor God. That's not the right attitude to look at my bills or my work or my housework or planning supper. So instead, what if I, I still need to think about this. I need to think about our budget. I need to think about what's for supper. I need to think about getting my work done. I need to think about driving my kids to and from their activities. What if I'm still thinking about the same things, but what if I'm doing it from the filter of, I want to honor God and I want to focus on Jesus and his kingdom. So what if I go into my day still thinking about the tasks at hand, but thinking about from the perspective that it's not me and my happiness and my rights that I'm trying to fulfill. What if I'm looking at it from the perspective of, I want to honor Jesus and his kingdom. I want to do my day in such a way that I bring glory to Jesus and I spread his kingdom to those I come in contact with, to those around me, that I honor him with the task that he has given me today. So that brings me life and peace. That makes me feel like there's a purpose in what I'm doing and it brings me joy rather than bringing me like depressing, sadness, um, selfish desires. It changes everything about my day. And let me tell you, I'm talking about in the context of day, but for real, it's hourly and maybe minute. <laughs> like maybe by the minute, I'm like, Rebecca, your mind is going down the trap again. Your filter's getting all messed up. You are focusing on me, myself, and I, when really let's focus on Jesus and his kingdom, and it makes everything better. So I still might be thinking about all the stuff that I gotta do, but I'm thinking about it with a different filter and it brings me life and peace. And then when you feel yourself going down a trap, trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be whispering your name the whole time you're going down that trap. And as we practice, we can get better at hearing the Holy Spirit when he's like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. All right. So now let's get into some practical, okay, how do we know? <laughs> how do we know where our mind is set? Well, a lot of it is based on how do you feel? Like, how do you how do you feel? And uh, But I want to give you some, a little bit more helpful information than that. So what are some helpful tips to figure out where is my mind? Is my mind set on the flesh or is my mind set on the spirit? So I'm going to just run you through a few things that I find really helpful. Um, first of all, to figure out where is my mind, sometimes I'll literally make a list, like where has my mind been? My mind has been on my to-do list. My mind has been on the activities my kids have this afternoon. My mind has been on how messy my house is and how much laundry there is to do. My mind has been on how I really need to vacuum my upstairs rugs because they're awful. My mind has been on paying bills and I need to check our bank account. Um, So just like taking inventory, that's basic. And then kind of test it. 
And by that I mean like, okay, as I think about these things, where is my spirit? Like how does this feel? Does this feel heavy and do I feel whiny inside because of it? If I feel whiny inside about it, then I'm probably thinking about it through the wrong filter and the wrong perspective because then I'm starting to think, poor me, I have to do all this. That is not going to honor God and it's not going to bring life to myself and those around me. If as I test it, I'm like, no, I'm kind of like filled with joy that I get to do this or I'm filled with a sense of even if it's not joy, maybe it is like responsibility and I feel up to the task and I feel like I'm called to this, you know, then it's going to make me feel life and peace. So just test it. Like, how, how do you feel? And then if you still, if you still don't know, you're like, I just don't know how I feel. Here's something really simple that I think we overlook. We can just ask God. You can ask God, Lord, where's my mindset in this? Like I'm, I'm doing the task that's in front of me today and I can't really figure out where my mind is set in this. Is my mindset in a healthy place or is my mindset in a place that's going to lead me down a path of destructive thinking and harmful attitudes towards others? And, uh, and the Lord will lead you. Just ask him, pause for a moment and let him communicate with you. And let just kind of listen as he speaks to your spirit. And like I said just a minute ago, the more you practice that, the more you will learn to hear what God is saying in your spirit. All right, so what if he tells you, uh, Rebecca, your mind is set totally in the wrong spot. <laughs> your mind is not where it should be. All right, well, then I'm going to like dig in a little bit more and pay closer attention. I'm going to recognize signs in me. Uh, this is kind of like earlier when I said test it. I'm going to pay really close attention to those signs. If he's like, your your mind is set on the flesh right now, I'm going to uh, pay a close attention to the signs. And as I clo- pay close attention to the signs, most of this is like in my body. I'm going to notice that my heart rate is getting higher and my, I, I'm tense, like my tension in my neck. I, I experience a lot of tension in my upper shoulders and the back of my neck. I'll feel more tense in those areas. I will experience stomach knots. Um, Literally, I can feel the knotting, like when I'm just tense and my mind is totally focused in the wrong spot. I'll feel the knots like tie up in my stomach. And I'll experience mood changes and probably I'll be really crabby to the people that I love the most. And those are really good signs that, yep, you're right, Lord. (laughs) I mean, of course he's right because he's God. But like I have to come into agreement with that. Like, yes, Lord, I agree with you. You are right. My mind is set in a spot that is not going to bring life and peace to me or my household or those around me. Okay, so then what do I do next? So the next thing I do is I pray over, um, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, where it says, we take our thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. So I pray through that. I take my thoughts captive and I make them obedient to Christ. Lord, I want my mind to obey you. You have called me to this. Help me to obey you in my thoughts. Because maybe I'm already obeying God in my attitude, or I'm sorry, my actions. Like my actions can obey what God wants me to do, but my thoughts might be so far from what he wants my mind to be set on. And so I want to take my thoughts captive and make my thoughts and the attitude of my mind, that's how it says it in Ephesians, the attitude of your mind, I want to make that obedient to Christ. 
And then to help me on this, this is where a lot of scripture memory comes really, really useful. I'm a huge advocate for memorizing scripture. And I just want to run through two with you quickly that I focus on when I need to reset my mind, which, like I said, is all day, every day. So two things that help me. Um, one of them is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And that's kind of a famous passage. Paul is writing about mindset. And he's saying, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. And so we have this written out on a sheet of paper and taped in Paul's in my bedroom. It's not fancy at all. It's just literally written on a piece of paper with a marker taped to the wall. <laughs> because it's right by our door. So we see it all the time in our room. Every time we go in and out of our room, we see these things that our minds are supposed to be set on. And I, I'm going to clap for you. I don't know if clapping is going to come over a podcast very well. It might not. But this is how I memorize this because I'm a cheerleader. And I'm going to teach you a little cheer that, that I made up to help my mind keep this very much on top of my mind. Okay? So um, let's do a little cheerleading. So this is how it goes. So in the text it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. But that doesn't work well with a cheer. So I took out the whatevers for my memorization purposes. And and this is how it goes. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So that's a little cheer that I, that I like have on in my head. If I know that my mind is totally focusing on me, myself, and I, Rebecca, and what makes her happy, if that's where my mind is, I need to reroute my mind and think about the things that God wants my mind to focus on. And again, maybe it's not stopping thinking about what I'm thinking, but it's how I'm thinking about it. Another one is the fruits of the Spirit that... We also have this hanging in our house, a beautiful wall hanging in our living room so that the fruit of the Spirit is right in front of us, helping us to reset our mind on the things of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, of course, because I'm a cheerleader, I also have these to our rhythm. Rhythms help me memorize, and if they help you memorize too, I want to encourage you to do it do it. Like, if you have to clap, clap. If you have to dance, dance. If you have to sing, sing. Whatever makes you be able to memorize scripture and get it deep down in your heart, it is worth it. It is worth the effort. And it is worth sounding silly if you're going to sound like a cheerleader when you're 42 years old. Okay, so here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control gets three claps because it's for me, it is the hardest one, self-control. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes, clap it out. Do whatever it takes for you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And listen, the payoff is huge, huge, because the text says that the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. That is so worth it. That is worth it. 
So do what it takes to get scripture in your heart so that you have help in setting your mind on things of the spirit. All right, let's move on. Chapter 8, verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, those are really hard words to read because they sound harsh. But I just want us to think about how what the, what the word does say and what the word does not say, okay? It says that the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. I want to remind us that it does not say that God is hostile to those who have their mind set on the flesh. The fact is, God loves those who have their mind set on the flesh. And thousands and millions of people around us don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit that who, who can direct our thoughts, who can help us to set our minds in such a way that we have life and peace. Like they don't even know. And God is not hostile to the people who don't know to set their minds on the things of the Spirit. But those who have their minds set on the flesh are hostile to God. The mind itself actually is what the text says. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Um, when my kids willingly disobey me, they do not please me. I love them. I love them so much. And when they are naughty as all get out, or if they are sassing me because they're getting older, so now it's not really naughtiness, it's just blatant disobedient. Like I say one thing and they are doing the exact opposite. Or if they are coming at me with this snarky, rude, snotty attitude. That does not please me. But it also does not change one bit the depth of my love for them. Not even a tiny bit. It doesn't make me love them less ever. They couldn't make me love them less. They could not make me love them less. The mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not please God. But God loves them. God is not hostile towards them. Now, I am a sinful mother, and my attitude does come out. I, would, I think my kids would say, no, her attitude definitely comes out as hostile towards us sometimes. Yeah, because I'm a sinner. God is not. God is a perfect parent, and he is not hostile to the mind that's set on the flesh. But the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to him. He, however, loves. He loves them. Even when his people who are created in his image are disobeying him and setting their minds on the things of the flesh and they are not pleasing him, he still loves them unconditionally. So if you're going along with the Bible study that this podcast is focused on, uh, you, in your Bible study this week, you read the account of the, the prodigal son. And I would like to just jump back there. For those of us who are just listening to the podcast and not doing the Bible study, I want to jump back to the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this beautiful, wonderful story uh, about a son who is wayward from his father 
and living in hostility towards his father for we don't know how long. If it's a number of months or a number of years, we don't know. I want to just read it, and I just want to show us the love of the father in this story, which represents the love of God. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that it's coming to me. So the father divided his property between the sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But here I am perishing with hunger. I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said to him, and the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. That is the heart of the father towards those who currently have their minds set on the things of the flesh. He wants them to come home, to set their minds on the spirit where there is life and peace. And when they turn and come home, when we turn and come home to Jesus on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, when we turn and come home to Jesus, he celebrates, he welcomes, he runs to us. God is not hostile to us, but we often in our sinfulness become hostile to God. And he loves when we turn towards him. He loves when we turn towards him and he welcomes us home. Verse 9 starts out with some encouraging words because I think that the people who read in verse 8, like they remember they're hearing this letter read aloud. And in verse 8, they just heard these words that said, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I would imagine that that made them a little nervous. I mean, I wonder if they were like, oh no, are we pleasing God? Like, is he talking about us? I mean, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> when I have my mind set on the flesh, I'm not pleasing God. But then he gets to verse 9, and I think they must have like breathed a sigh of relief because he said, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. So it's just a reminder that says, look, the spirit of God dwells in you. So even if sometimes your mind gets put in the wrong place, bring it back and set it on the flesh because you're not in the flesh you're not in the flesh, so let's make sure your mind is not set on the flesh, but set on the spirit. Um, when I read this verse, I think of sometimes when my kids are doing things that I think are like acting younger than they should act, if they're behaving in a way that I'm like, you know better, grow up. 
I might say to my kids, um, act your age. And then oftentimes I catch myself because I think, eh, he's a nine-year-old boy. I bet he is acting his age. <laughs> but I, I feel this kind of a tone of reprimand a little bit, and it's a healthy reprimand from the Holy Spirit when, when this word says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Because I do get wrapped up in the flesh. And I feel like God is saying to me, Rebecca, you're not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Act your reality. Act your reality. The spirit of God lives in you. You are in the spirit. Act like it. Act like it. Think like it. Think your reality. Act your reality. And then verse 9 goes on to say, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And I would never want to change the words of scripture, but when I read that verse, in my heart, I feel like there's a yet. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Yet, because our job as believers in Jesus is to bring people to Jesus, to introduce people to the love and the grace and the mercy and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, to help other people towards Jesus so that they do, in fact, belong to him so they do get filled with the spirit of Christ. So anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But let me tell you, Jesus wants them. Jesus wants them to belong to him. And our job is to help them see and experience the love of Jesus. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, The spirit is life because of righteousness. Our bodies are decaying every day of our life. If you are over 40, (laughs) or if you're younger than 40, you may have already started feeling the, uh, the truth of this, that our body is dead because of sin, and, uh, our body is going to continue on wasting away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, um, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So our our outer bodies, because of the curse of sin, our outer bodies, obviously, we know are going to die. And we the, the ramifications of this is devastating when it comes to illness and disease. And it, it's, it can be less devastating, but just as true as we just think about the wear and tear of our bodies like Paul just turned 45 a couple days ago and you know every day almost every day there's like something new that hurts I'm only 42 but yep like there's lots of days where I'm like oh that hurts or when I get out of bed in the morning I'm like limping for the first couple of minutes that I'm walking around just because everything is so stiff all the time I have a pinched nerve in my neck and my left arm is um, numb and in pain most of the time. Pretty much most of the time, my left arm hurts and my neck hurts. Uh, It's just, it's and there's arthritis in there. That's why it's a pinched nerve. My knees don't let me run anymore. I mean, my body is just, I'm only 42, but let me tell you, my body's getting older and it's getting older fast. My metabolism has pretty much quit (laughs) and it's because... Under the curse of sin, my body is dead. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Here is a great and abiding mystery of the process of sanctification. 
The word sanctification means Christ is in us and making us like him. He's making us more like Jesus. So a great and abiding mystery of sanctification is that the closer we get to death, the more alive we become. So my spirit will will become more and more like Jesus every day that I'm on planet Earth. And the more I look like Jesus, the more alive I am. So therefore, what that means is on the day that the Lord takes me from this Earth, that will be the day that I am most alive ever in my whole life. Isn't that wonderful? That is so wonderful. The closer we get to death, the more alive we really become because the spirit of is life because of righteousness. Let's wrap this up with verse 11, Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. Let me read that again. It's so wonderful. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you catch it? Did you catch this? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. What did he do? Oh, he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You have the same spirit in you who raised Jesus from the dead. If you trust Jesus as Savior, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. You have the power of the resurrection living inside of you, and he wants to give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. We have a God of resurrection. He is the resurrection God. He makes dead things come alive. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is his job. He has many, many roles. He is the spirit of truth. He is our advocate. He is our helper. He he is a teacher for us. Another thing he does, though, is that he is the one who raises from the dead. He is the spirit of the resurrection. He lives inside of you. So, dear friend, as we wrap this up today, I want to ask you, what do you need Jesus to bring to life today? What do you need resurrected today? Our God is a God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. That is from Romans 4.17. He gives life to the dead and he calls into existence things that don't exist. He is a God of resurrection. What do you need resurrected today? Ask him. Where do you need resurrection? Is it in your work? Is it in your spirit? Is it in your mental health? Like maybe you're battling addiction, depression. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe your marriage feels like it is dying. Maybe your um, your kids are going down a path that feels like death and destruction. Where do you need resurrection today? You have a God of resurrection. You have a spirit of resurrection who lives inside of you. Let him resurrect the things in our life. Start praying for the power of resurrection in your everyday life. The Holy Spirit makes every single day a resurrection day. Every day is the day of resurrection. Tap into it. 
tap into it. We have this power. Let us not live like we don't have power. We have the power of the resurrection. Amen and amen. All right, if you are listening to this podcast and following along with the Spirit Life Bible Study, this was the end of session two. So you would then go into your Bible study and work on session three, which again is five lessons, focusing on verses 12 through 17. And then after you do the lessons, listen to the teaching um, on session three on the podcast. And if you are just hanging on with the podcast, then that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to, before I teach on the next verses, you could go ahead and read Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Read them. Hear what God has to say to you personally before you hear the teaching on it. That would be awesome. Thanks so much, friends. It's such a joy to study scripture with you. I hope your day is awesome. 